This is Lost in the Groove. And I'm Mike. I'm Dave. We hippies have come together to spark change. So together, we give you our society and culture podcast. So with that, let's get funky and let the intro music play, baby. So nice to be back in the studio and back for another wonderful hour on the hour. So today we want to look at humanitarian in a little bit of a different direction, a direction going to the safari of your life. Uh, well, um, to kind of pull away the bullshit, we're talking about Africa. Uh, we're talking about the humanitarian work that goes into Africa help Supporting people, feeding people. What is the true future of the humanitarian work, and is it really helping? So, we have our Mike, and Mike. Ooh, I made that joke again. <laughs> Let yeah, us well, begin. Yeah, it's a it's a really it's a it's a really unique um, project to look at from uh, from the many decades of resources and money and time that has been spent at trying to help a lot of people in Africa. I mean, the results are remarkable. We can't deny that it has helped tremendously. Um, Patan has saved millions of lives too from uh, vaccines and many other things that have been rolled out. And I know there's a lot of conspiracy behind uh, that, but conspiracy aside, for sure, the aid that has been uh, dished out for that continent uh, has been effective, but could it be better? And that's kind of what mm -hmm. I was thinking about and what we were yeah. bouncing around ideas as to um, what is relevant about this topic and how we should proceed for this episode. The, uh, the idea that we have nonprofits who are engaged in very specific works and humanitarian aid um, through this series, it prompted me to go and look at uh, the specific, I guess, definition. And in not so many words, it just comes back very simply. Uh, humanitarianism is about helping people who are suffering uh, uh, at any stage or place uh, in the world. So yeah, Africa is and has been in great need time and of course like you know dave you were mentioning if you want to uh, bring that up again about conquerors and um the fact that uh africa is really a, a huge gold mine and is really being looked at closely by conglomerates well i mean i mean africa has always unfortunately has always been a commodity it's slaves started with slaves then it started with industrialization and culturalization and human enslaving that's true so, so the way i see it it's a game of poker more specifically it's a game of texas hold'em why i say this you'll understand in a few minutes when you're playing this game you have a bunch of different players each one has a different desire different desire for the pot in this case we're talking about africa and whoever puts down their cards correctly and precisely will win the game. 
It's a game of mind, math, being still and understanding. So divide and conquer for Africa in simple means. You have oligarchs, entrepreneurs, governors, senators, congressmen, all types of government, all these type of illustrious elite people that want a piece of the pie. And they'll do whatever they can to control that piece of pie. So I say, is the humanitarian work the benefit of Africa? Or is it the benefit of the higher power? Perhaps it's both. I mean, possibly. Uh, and and that's, uh, that's literally how it's been for a long time. There, uh, much of the aid that's gone to Africa over the decades, if we go back and look at the paper trails of how money is spent, uh, I'm certain we would find discrepancies and issues. And that's kind of where my, uh, where my thought process went is we have this middleman, which is the nonprofit who wants to do a very specific work of uh, aid, aiding people in a region going through whatever the type of suffering it may be. Can we, uh, can we find better processes to actually get that aid to people without uh, having to donate to a nonprofit who then takes some of that money for operations? And we really don't know. Um, there are laws that restrict how much people can pay themselves, but there's also creative ways. Yeah to uh, circumvent that. But there's, but, uh, also, but there's also loopholes. Remember that too. Loopholes. That's, that's, well, that's what I mean by circumventing the, uh, the laws that exist to prevent someone from overpaying themselves in a nonprofit or someone who's in charge of the nonprofit. You know what's funny though? I always love that because it's not, it's not about them bending or doing loopholes. It's more of being weird. Hey, I'm doing a good thing, right? I'm doing I should a get good, paid. I should get paid. Exactly. <laughs> Name of the game. Yeah. Well, and it, and it becomes very lucrative. So um, that's kind of where I was thinking, like, what kind of technologies can we get to uh, improve or eliminate uh, friction? And this area does <clears throat> does have that uh, a, a significant amount of friction because the money goes through these charities and the charities figure out who to source for the um, for the aid. It could be paper towels, it could be medicine, it could be food, diapers, whatever it is. Right? They're going to source somebody for it. Yeah, and that, and that comes at a cost. I I know. I I I remember a while ago there was a organization that was helping the education system in uh in africa and a few countries and it was specifically helping to pay the teachers and helping to get proper you know <coughs> educational tools breathe sorry <laughs> Some strong weed over there oh man no so <laughs> they were helping um you know, uh, get money to buy educational products for these kids. What bothered me so much was, and I, I'm going to sound like a fucking idiot right now. Um, it just seemed very petty. 
You know, it's like that's all you do. That's just all you do is just help that's, the teachers. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's the that's the extent it'll go sometimes. Yeah, I've seen that too, and I'm like, that seems like a waste of uh, resources that it would be uh, spent that way. Again, there's probably numerous cases like this. And then there's numerous ones where um, it actually saved lives. That's mm. uh, that should that should be a priority, right? First, so if it's saving lives, that's great. But things like what you're describing, and I've seen other uh, scenarios very similar to it that are questionable, makes you think like uh, there's got to be a better way to spend that money. You know why there in that fashion? What's the right. What's the uh, the maximum impact it can have if if being spent that way? So, yeah, it, that's, it's that's one it, of them. It's basically where you're saying, you know, you have to fix the educational system out there. You have to be able to build a structure. It's just like putting a bandage on a building that's like literally going to crumble in like five seconds. Just put duct tape. It's going to stay up. N- no. You can't just pay teachers and buy educational stuff and be like, okay, we fix problem. Oh, uh, it's a portion yeah. of the problem, right? Yeah. I mean, if, we, if we had somebody as a guest on who was from a nonprofit, they would be able to give us, you know, some of those challenges that they face. But uh, I mean, yeah. dude, we, we are nonprofits. We are the nonprofits. So it, 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 I can mm-hmm. I can imagine the challenges that are faced realizing like, Oh man, we got to tackle all of these things before we can um, see uh, some kind of impact. So we have to do a little bit of everything in incremental yeah. levels, right? So some education and some healthcare and some uh, vaccines and some food and still, I mean, wasn't it a crazy number to, to think like if uh, you may have heard about this, and the listeners may have heard about this too. Uh, the idea that uh, so much wealth is concentrated at the top, it would solve world hunger. That that money that's concentrated at the top or some some amount yeah. of it yeah. would solve world hunger. And it's, uh, it's kind of like, well, I, I feel like charity could have done that a long time ago if it was but there, but run... There are- but there are people – so here's the thing. There are people that are in that upper – that do support charities. They do support these organizations. They do support the fight. The problem is – Absolutely. The problem is they control where the money's going. So, yes, as a collective, they can solve world hunger. In reality, them as individuals – that have their own opinions are not a collective. Absolutely not. Yeah. So, you know, you and I, if we're, if we're in there, you might think uh, uh, the money you're donating might be best uh, suited for something. And I'd disagree and want, or feel like it'd be something else that should get addressed first. But all in all, you know, when, when we look at the, the bigger picture you would think with as much aid as we have uh, been able to provide various parts of the world you would think we'd be further along but we're not but we're not and that's that that's kind of where i think of like 
are there inefficiencies that can be uh, that can be addressed? Are there areas of friction that can be eliminated that don't yes. need to be there? Yes. And, uh, and that could be because of, let's say, technology. I mean, one thing that comes to mind is blockchain and figuring out a way uh, to el- eliminate the middleman if the blockchain network of some sort can facilitate how resources are dispensed and how people donate within um, a specific uh, cause, or if those that are going to benefit can vote through that blockchain network as to like how it would uh, benefit them. I mean, it's an interesting idea, but well, we'd have to wait and see. Someone has to be, someone would have to be willing to try something like that first. Um, to see if there would be some way to aid, but uh, it could be in the future because I've seen networks on the blockchain designed to um, human trafficking, like aid in the prevention of human trafficking and child yeah, trafficking. Yeah, I mean, it's true. The digital age is the future for success. And oh God, I'm going to be, I'm going to do this again. Star Trek. <laughs> uh, <laughs> In Star Trek, you see that the technology has changed to be more of what, what, not what you want, but kind of the need of doing something. It, its but, purpose is A to B. That's it. But they're so far advanced, right, in, in yes. the story that they're telling. So two to three hundred years um down the road is like what they're portraying. And that's after um, the technologies enabled them to kind of let go of a lot of the petty shit that uh, human beings deal with. Day yeah. In, like day smartphones. Out. None of them have smart. Do you realize that no one has smartphones in the future? There's but no need. There's, but there's uh but there are communication uh, gadgets and things that they do have. I mean, I, but it's more but it's more of a connection. You see, this is the thing that is so important, especially with the humanitarian work that's done with these these third world countries, is connection. You know, this is something that we crave so much. If we had the capability of doctors being able to just in seconds just snap into places like, for example, where a virus or something comes out, just snap of a finger, you're there. You know how many people we could save? How many lives? Matter of seconds, help can be wherever you need. You're always connected. Yeah, that's you're never. You're never alone. You're 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 talking about teleporting matter. It's a it's a hell of a thing if we can do that. But what I'm saying is, connection is the key in the future. The final, literally, the final frontier is that connection. Yeah. And it's yeah, the steps. It. It's the steps now that we have. Think about it. We we're mentioning the internet, right? The internet is a crucial component we've had for the past twenty-five years, because it has allowed us to connect so much better. Matter of seconds, people can communicate with people in New Zealand, in Australia. Understand how crazy that is? Yeah. It, it cra- crazy, crazy, and and. And very exciting and cool Amazing. all at the same time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and 
I get the idea that that you're trying to uh, kind of paint there. That that would be absolutely groundbreaking and life changing for all of society. But uh, I mean, it's still a long ways away. But connectivity is the the, the idea that you're is is the idea that you're that you're sharing here. Um, I feel like that future that's shown in um, in Star Trek is certainly possible. I mean, guy's been accurate. Gene Roddenberry's been pretty accurate with the course up until of, this point. Yeah, yeah, up until this point, and it's uh, um, who knows in two to three hundred years, it would be kind of funny to realize somebody had written about the future so early on and was that accurate you be he'll uh, be an immortalized in the future <coughs> i mean he'll be literally the man that predicted the future i mean but it's, it, it, it's an immortal it, title at the same time it's almost uh it's almost well at, at the pace in which we constantly innovate and, and upgrade everything like it would be said that uh, it's almost inevitable at the pace that we're going at, that we would end up there at some point. At least there's two or three scenarios I can imagine we can. Uh, we but can... think, uh, but but think about where we were before the 1800s. So just a few hundred years before. Think about it. In the 1500s, we were so uncivilized. Okay, they were curing people by cutting open their legs. That's 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 how fucked up we were. People in the 1500s, I don't think anyone would would have thought that we would have gotten where we were in the 18 and 1900s. Nobody. Come on. Nobody. Nobody was thinking we ever would advance to something like that. And we did. And we just, did. Look bam, at where we it are. Just ha- it just happened. So It's kind of... I mean, it's exponential growth, and it's possible. That's, I get, well, yeah. that's why I also say there's two or three scenarios I can imagine um, are... Uh, trajectory would look like for the future but as of uh, as of now I mean we're still kind of here and wondering in the 70s yeah just kind of stuck waiting I mean it feels like it would be the 70s right weed's becoming legal everyone's gonna be stoned almost all the time I'm stoned all the time (laughs) you know no one's gonna care (laughs) no one gets two shits anymore man no one's gonna care about. No one's gonna care about anything. We're doing all the drugs. Yeah, but no one's about anything else either. Possibly. Mm. You know, it's like oh, I'm too high to care. I don't care who's gonna be president. Uh, uh, voting, forget about it, dude. I just bought this ounce of weed. I'm gonna stay home and smoke it. You know, it's really gonna be really funny when they have the twenty twenty. It's not gonna happen, but I, I just love dreaming about it. Twenty twenty four election. And it turns out like 500 people voted. (laughs) 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 And like the news is like, so we have our 499th voter (laughs) and they're counting until they get to 500. And I'm just like, but it's true in a way we're we're at a time where who gives a shit? Honestly, like who gives a fuck? I mean, we have a half dead president, a quarter dead president. And a a bitch that wears heels and has an excuse to be this, uh, what do you call it, mixed race something. But <laughs> don't matter no more, does it? 
No, it, I mean, and I think uh, that kind of fits really nicely into uh, the Agenda 21 uh, documentation that was circulating several years ago. Uh, some people might be familiar with it, but uh, the less the less we care about these things, the, the higher the likelihood we'll probably end up uh, with a centralized government for the world. Um, because because at that point, if nobody really cares about the way things used to be done with elections and presidents and whatever, it's uh, it's going down the rabbit hole for sure. So back to humanitarianism and how how can we do better at helping people? Well, you know what? This does tie in in a way with humanitarian work because if you think about it, I call them the puppeteers, this whole facade and show of presidencies and prime ministers and all of this crap. If we pull away the curtain, all we see is who's doing all the work? Who's the ones that who are the ones that are farming? Who are the ones that are opening up the stores every single day? Who are the people that are on calls? And who are the people that are on planes serving people every single day? People. Working people, like me and you. They don't run shit. <laughs> the government does not run anything. We run everything. If the metro driver does not come in, the train's not going anywhere. We run the show, they don't. So it's the same thing with Africa. It's where it's in our hands, not theirs. They think it's in their hands, and possibly it could be. But right now we have it, because we're working in it. Yeah, but uh, you know, though though you're right about that, it's the the only flaw in that is uh people people as a whole have to recognize it as well. You knowing it. And even 10 million others knowing it, unfortunately, would never be enough to... Uh, it's a slow progress. It happens uh, eventually. We, we, we would hope so, that eventually that, uh, that idea um, can go across the globe and infect everybody to realize that uh, they are the key and a key component in how everything is run. It's and, called uh, it, it's called a snap. Snap that, of what? It it's the same thing that happened when the riots for um for AIDS in the late eighties. It was a snap. People just immediately was like, fuck. Why isn't the government doing anything? I've heard this from many people. It was really crazy. Like people were angry. People were very, very, very angry. A lot of people in this country were very angry. A lot of people across the globe were very angry. This was a fucking disease. It's called a snap. It, it's when people just are like, fuck, are you going to do something? <laughs> you hear the cat in the background? I hear her too. Yeah, yeah, I hear her too, yeah. Yeah. Hold on. Stop. 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 Jesus Christ. The life of a pet owner. <laughs> Mind of her own, man. It's like having a kid. No. Because you can leave your cat and go to work. You can't leave your kid. 
Okay, so you have one perk as having a pet. Okay, I get that. No, there's more. <laughs> there's more. I know. There's more. You can you can give them cat food every single day, and they'll eat it every single day of their <laughs> lives. There's no there's no picky bullshit. You know, being picky about what, what you're giving. Like, oh, what you're giving me pasta? This is yuck. Like, what the fuck? It's like you had this last week. How was this yuck? Ah. <sighs> Anyway, yeah. going go, going back to the um, to the story, it's the story. Uh, we were what were we talking about. We were talking about oh, so my point on that snap. Yeah, when uh, when the government doesn't do anything and everybody's just uh, frustrated beyond belief, you know, I would have thought that would have happened in twenty twenty. Uh, 2021, but it didn't. We were close. You know, I mean, oh, oh, well, how much more? How much more would it have required for that snap to have occurred? I mean, when yeah. people wake, when people wake up from COVID, people haven't woken up from COVID yet. We're still asleep. It's too quiet. Just, just no. I'm, I'm being serious. Like I've heard this from many people. It's like we gotta wait until we wake up from COVID, and once that happens, fuck. I do not want to go outside. It's not going to be pretty. It's not pretty right now, man. No, where I'm at. Yeah, things it's, are pretty. It's it's boiling. Getting pretty bad over here. Mm-hmm. It's boiling. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, glad I don't work past five PM anymore. <laughs> I, work, I work past five PM. <laughs> well, <Should> I mean, <laughs> retailer—it's just not the best idea, you know. You don't want to be working past five PM um, at this at this given time right now. The way things are, so uh, like I said, it's not great, man. So it's boiling, and eventually, will it'll pop? It'll snap. I'll go. I don't. Know, I can't do the whistle from the, the kettle. You'll hear that whistle, and yeah, we're fucked. But hey, oh my goodness! Hey, stay positive, man. Mm. I'm gonna stay positive with the ganja. Yeah, that's the way to do it. <laughs> oh, I'm. We went completely off topic. Um, we were talking about humanitarian work, and I remember the last thing that we were talking about is the two sides of the humanitarian organizations. I think the other thing to take in mind is, are these organizations even contacting the countries they're sending these things to and asking them if they want it? I mean, I watched a video that was kind of like a semi-documentary, wasn't very long, where there are countries where they're getting these clothes and they don't want them. They just keep bringing them in. They don't even bother asking. They've asked them to stop, and they just keep on bringing them in. <laughs> it's a no, like it, it. It's a problem. What are these clothes for? What are the clothes for, though? I have no idea. That's crazy. They're like, hey, just stop sending them. We don't need any more of this fucking Indonesian clothing. <laughs> Ty- Taiwanese. Or- <laughs> oh. Wherever it's being made, 
what a trip. So, but th that's a lot of the waste. So that's kind of like where my brain was going when I thought about um, covering this aspect and topic around humanitarianism is how much waste is there? How much corruption is there? And could we do better to actually aid these countries uh, and the people that need them? Uh, you know, I remember right around lockdown time, we were getting news of just, um, or it may have been right before, it may, some kind of uh, some kind of natural disaster in uh, the southeast. I think it was Puerto Rico. Do you remember that? Puerto Rico? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, some, vaguely, it, vaguely. And it was some years I ago, remember. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it turned out that there was a lot of resources that was provided by uh, the Red Cross, I think, that wasn't being, uh, wasn't being distributed to the people knowingly. And uh, I think uh, the person in charge of natural disasters for Puerto Rico had to resign or they were at least confronted about it. Um, this was well after they had received it. It was just being stored inside of these warehouses, not or, being distributed. Uh, or the other problem in Puerto Rico, which is weird, because it's not a state, it's a territory. It should be a state. The U.S. government's been leech leeching off of them like Puerto Ricans struggle. A lot of them struggle. They can't even keep their businesses because the Americans come and sell their stuff for half the price because they don't have to pay for the tax or anything. I mean, can't get mad at that, dude. Um, everybody sources China, so so should the business and businesses in Puerto Rico. That's kind of the name of the game. Though I can I can feel the pain, I can understand it, but I can't understand not actually um, uh, adapting. So if there are businesses who are struggling because of Americans coming and using China to to source their products and then being able to sell them cheaper, like. Come on, guys, in Puerto Rico, you can do the same exact thing. Same exact thing. I that's, hear you. So that's, what can I say? But um, that's, you know, that's a, that's a level of corruption that uh, we've never heard of before. So this guy who is in charge of uh, dispersing a lot of these, uh, I mean, we're talking food, diapers, and uh, water. Um, there was footage, man. I don't know if you recall, because it was some time ago. And uh, we, we all easily forget because there's always something new to, to be alarmed and shocked and to be triggered about. I uh, think thanks to CNN and, and everyone else, but they captured fo uh, footage of people just uh, waiting and waiting and trying to find some kind of aid like the waters. This is Puerto Rico around that time. I think it may have been a hurricane or something that just uh, really damaged the country pretty bad. Yeah. Um, who knows if they've recovered by now. It's probably barely new buildings being built. It's crazy to me, man. Living in a place where it constantly happens, for example, uh, some areas of the South on the, on the U.S. continent where they constantly get uh, hurricanes and tornadoes, but they still want to. They still want to build there. Yeah, home. like I live. I live in Florida. Right, it's going to happen a lot there. 
New Orleans. How many times have we seen that happen in New Orleans? It just um, flooded. Yeah, and people don't want to leave. It's like this will happen again, but this is where home is, you know. You know, people are funny because we kind of find a place and we name it home. See, home is not home doesn't actually mean the place you're born born in, the place you die in. Home is just whatever imaginary place you feel some type of something. Like connection. Yeah, connection yeah, to. Just, yeah, something. So people will le- live in these dangerous countries. People live under these harsh conditions because they feel that connection. It's insane. Come on. It's, it's totally insane, man. But we're human beings. We're fucked up creatures. What can we do? Yeah, far from perfect. Someday with the neural link, I might be. I might just be. But forgive me, I'm multitasking. I got to send a quick message. But who says you're not neural linked? No, I'm talking about the uh, the brain implant that'll make me stronger and faster. I'm really. There was actually a t- television show. It was called The Severance. Incredible. It's on Apple TV. Um, Severance. Yes. It's basically uh, a it, – the company's called Lumen, and the workers, they have this implant that splits their brain into two. So they can't remember when they go to work. They don't know what they do at work. They don't see it, and then they go back home. They just go through an elevator and come out of an elevator. And then the person that's actually at work – doesn't remember to be on the surface, just remembers coming out of the elevator and then going into the elevator and then coming out of the elevator. It's just insane. You know, you're like, there are people that would do that. They, they're they so miserable at what they do that if they could separate that and they don't have to connect to it, they can live their normal lives in peace. I don't even remember. As they say, the ignorance is bliss. It's kind of cool. Man, if I don't, if I didn't have to worry about anything, that'd be great. Like the Truman Show. Mm. Except, except he figured it out. But he chose the real world in the end. And I think the, the point of that was to show you that no matter how much perfection you can crave, sometimes we just want chaos. Like, you know what? Yeah, a little bit of... A little yeah. bit of uncertainty, a little bit of, you know, spontaneous, but a spont, spontaneous, get it all out. <laughs> um, spontaneous. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Mm. Well. I can see. <laughs> In, in any case, it's a it's a tough topic uh, to cover. Like a lot of the things that we've covered, um, humanitarian aid isn't uh, something that's black and white. Uh, we're talking about people's lives, the the quality of life, 
And what is life? Uh, it's, uh, it's the pursuit of freedom and love and happiness getting stoned to the bone, you know, smoking good weed, having good laughs. So, you know, these things are, are not that common. We get them here, but parts of the world, it doesn't exist. I remember really good weed. I remember my dad telling me, my dad grew up in a, um, he grew up in an apartment with, uh, eight siblings, two parents, a two-bedroom um, apartment. Eight kids in a two-bedroom apartment. Why do you have so many kids, man? It, it's Morocco. You know, they they, they fuck the wife. <laughs> you know, and they they make baby. <laughs> so. <laughs> Your Arabic is pretty good. I, I speak somewhat Arabic. I told you this. Um, I, and I just remember my dad just lighting up every single time he talked about his childhood. My dad always, in a way, kind of raised me where you you're happy with you're you're happy with what you have, not because you have it, it's because you need it. It's what makes you you. It was a really incre- he really was incredible when it came to that. And you know something something we've lost as people. What what are we what what do you need a Bugatti? What do you need a three million dollar home in Bel Air? Why? Because they're I nice, get it. man. It's they're nice. nice. They're but, nice. But does it better your life? Does it improve your life? I mean this not in a physical way, I mean this in a mental way. I mean, it can, you know, um, the older I get and the more I earn, the the more I learn at the same time that, uh, yes, I, I like nice things. I get it. I, I begin to understand a little bit better that as you climb through the economic ladder, um, when you are doing the correct things versus the wrong things, that... Um, yeah, a $3 million home, something really beautiful um, that speaks to you and that you can make a connection with. It's just property, right? But it also holds its value and can can mature further. And um, there, there's, you know, all these pros. Uh, but I get it. For the first time, you know, when I was your age, I would have probably said the same thing. And I did bum it for a long time. I mean, I didn't get to where I am because I, was, I, don't, I wasn't I don't, frugal. I don't bum it because... I'm a, literally the type of person, if I had the money, I would go out and buy a Porsche. Yeah, why not? But my point <clears throat> is not that I would take a $3 million home. That would be nice. I'm talking about the the when you spend your life obsessed or building connections around physical objects, a possession, an item, a treasure – there is no there is no glow there is no spark surprisingly to me i'm the type of person that would trade all of that to have experience with being with people dancing on the beach by a bonfire having a connection i think this is where we we have a 
uh, disconnection among uh, uh, the haves and have nots in the world. Like what you're describing is mo a lot of times the people that have made it to where they can have these things. It's not that they have such a strong bond, let's say, or uh, desire for possessions. It's just that things really worked out in their lives. And it's like, they, they can appreciate nice things, but it's not the stuff. Right. Um, I've spoken to a lot of people who are wealthy that um, they're it, just things worked out. They worked out and it wasn't ever because of the stuff, you know? Um, and it's also the reason why they can continue to live in this type of abundance they live in now is yeah, that it, the, it, it's, it's funny. They're not, they're not attached it to this stuff. Yeah. It's I can strange. see it from both sides, but I, I it's yeah. strange. It's strange though. Cause you've mentioned, you've spoken to rich people. It, it's funny. I knew somebody, Oh God, this guy's hilarious. He had a penthouse, gorgeous penthouse in Tel Aviv. And he furnished the entire apartment in Ikea furniture. <laughs> and I remember I was talking to him and he, I said to him, I'm like, like, why Ikea furniture? And he says, you know something? He says, I got all this money. He says, I don't like to spend it. He says, but I get to have a penthouse, right? But I wanted to be my showcase for Ikea. <laughs> you know, like, he's a type of person that he just... He likes design and aesthetic. And to him, it was like, you know what? I get a nice penthouse, but, you know, I, I don't really need all the... I'm just going to go to Ikea and just throw a bunch of stuff together. So there's also that idea as well as we're... Everyone has a different perspective of what needs, what haves, what you can do, where you can go. So in the end of the day, when you're working with any person... When you're doing any type of um, goal, not necessarily it's about the money, but kind of like what you accomplished. You mentioned that earlier. It's kind of the same thing with these organizations. It's a self of accomplishment. Oh, hey, we're able to do something. We're succeeding. Right. To reap the rewards. I think, um, I think that is probably a huge uh, accomplishment for any uh, nonprofit uh, charity that's for the sole purpose of bettering people's lives who are in need. Uh, but again, it doesn't change, you know, those exist. It doesn't change that we, we still don't have um, areas of issue or um, problems within organizations like that. I mean, inevitable uh look at the clinton foundation they're having so many problems now uh by because of the abuses uh that had pretty much become public so they're being investigated thoroughly yeah it's been like it's been years and but it's just know, an example of it's how funny much that abuse exists in in these types of organizations that are yeah. supposed to just help people like think that's about, their only mission, right? The thing about you mentioned Clinton, right? I personally think, what about the whole AIDS Foundation? That was an incredible accomplishment. I think so. 
At yeah. least one, at least he did one great thing. That's that is a pretty big accomplishment. Have to give it to them for that. Yeah. Uh, but who would have ever known that uh, this uh, virus would be uh, that difficult to beat? The AIDS virus. It's been three decades, man. Four decades of right, something like that. Three. Uh, we saw it in the eighties. Started surfacing in the eighties. It was horrible. Absolutely horrible. Man. But it, well, it it all comes down to it's sad. It's viruses. And it's something that a lot of African countries, especially you remember the Ebola epidemic. I don't. I don't remember. You don't remember that. it happened in the uh, early nineties. No, I don't remember that. But and there was another I, um Another one like 2010 or 2012 or something. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. That was Africa, I think. It's horrible. Yeah. So it's rough, man. And it's good that at least we can uh, provide help during times like that. It's just still all in all, like I I really want to make it clear. I don't want to take anything away from any organization that's Mm. ever existed from the beginning, I did say a lot of them have done uh, tremendous good for people around the globe. Uh, so I have to stress that point. But I feel like just like anything that we improve, uh, something like this can improve too, to be, uh, to be better, to be more effective, uh, to save more lives uh, faster. So, you know, um, I guess we could leave off on this. You know, we mentioned earlier aid. Aid has um, has always been a strong suit of humanitarian work because it's giving people a chance to survive. I think that the work that's been done, I think it's incredible. What I think would be more incredible is to see the progress yeah. we could possibly achieve in the next 50 years. So, We just got to get our head out of our ass and do the right thing. Yeah. Well, this has been fun. We'll see you guys eventually. I think so. I don't know. All right, guys. We have reached that time in our podcast. This has been great. It has been fun, and we got lost in the groove. So stay tuned. Every Tuesday, be sure to check out a new episode of Lost in the Groove. It premieres by 2 a.m. in the morning, and our other channels, Sham Bam with Mike and Dave, which is our Patreon podcast, and our extra special the Shindig Variety Show, our YouTube podcast. Links will be down in the description box so you can vote for what topic we cover next season. And what other kind of content or new ideas and stuff we have to offer. Thank you guys so much for watching. Catch you guys in the next one.